0: Amen. And I'm fully aware that God is changing my story for life. Amen. Hallelujah. You know when I think back about I think about in back on my life, and I see what God has done in me through His Word, I'm amazed. You know, I'm 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 proud of the work of God in my life. I don't know. Is that your story? Are you, Are you proud of what God is doing in your life? And are you ready for Him to do more? Are you sure? Good to see your face. Is a lot of good wonderful looking faces in the house. Praise God. Amen. So I have the privilege of bringing us the first word at the festival convention. I'm so blessed. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So I'll be preaching briefly, you know, but I want you to get all that you can get because God is going to speak to you. I'm fully aware that I'm speaking as God's oracle. I'm fully aware that I'm not speaking from my mind. Yes, I've prepared, but I know my spirit is ready to receive from God just for you. Now, this morning when I woke up, you know we've been praying. How many of us prayed and fasted along? Quite a number of us. We've been praying. And, you know, I woke up this morning. I know it's one of those mornings when you wake up and, you know, maybe it was, felt like my wedding day. Some of us here are married. You know, that day you're about to make that big step, that big commitment, and you're like, oh, my God, God, just speak something to me. I'm sure, but I just want to be sure. Praise God. So I was like, okay, woke up this morning. Lord, I know you're going to change my life forever, but give me a taste at this, evening, this morning. Just say something to me. Just give me your word. And I said, Lord, I'm not going to live here until you talk to me. So I, I woke up quite early in the morning, very early in hours, and I just said, you know what? I'm just going to pray in tongues because you just have to tell me something. You know, so as I was praying in tongues. I don't know how long it was, maybe an hour, two hours, two and a half hours or three. I don't know. And the word of the Lord just came to my heart, and I believe that it's a word for everyone. And this is what God wants to do for us. And these were the words that came to my heart. He, says, he, says, he said, the festival is the dawning of a new day. It is the dawning of a new day. I heard it as loud and clear as, you know, as I hear my voice right now. He said, the festival is the dawning, for, the dawning of a new day. And I wrote there for me and my family. Amen? So you can write your own for you and your family. And I went to check the meaning of you know, the word, the dawning of a new day. Because I've learned that when God gives you a word, it's important that you go further. You know, to search what it means. do doesn't just assume you know what it means. And, you know, for me, when I searched it, it, me- it meant, you know, God, this is a new beginning. All right? A fresh start. It says a new dawn means an important, promising turning point. So when you hear the dawning of a new day, it's not just that a new sun is rising. It's talking about you having an important turning point. It says it's the end of an era and the beginning of a new era. Praise God. Alright, that's really what it means. Um, let's turn our Bibles quickly to the book of Luke chapter, f- chapter 1. And I'll read from the NLT um, quickly. Someone say, it's the dawning of a new day for me. Day. Hallelujah, my cup run it over. Luke chapter 1, verse 78. I'll try, I'd like to take that from the NLT. Are we together tonight? It says, because of God's tender mercies, the morning light from heaven is about to break upon us. Hallelujah. I thought somebody was going to be excited. It says, because of God's tender mercies, the morning light, the breaking of the dawn, light from heaven is about to break upon us. To give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death. And to guide us to the paths of peace. Hallelujah. So light is coming upon every dark area. I always say this, that you would experience better if you knew better. You would do better if you had more light. The reason you are where you are today is because of the light you have. And you can do better. You can have more. And that's the message I'm going to show us today. All right, that's the message I'm going to um, preach to us today. You can have more. I am a huge believer in the fact that God wants you to have more. God wants you to have overflow. Someone say the overflow. So it says that the light is about to come, and it says something, he is going to guide us to the paths of peace. So it's not only light that you're going to receive, you're going to receive guidance into the paths of peace. Now just a quick exigencies on that word peace. That word peace just doesn't mean peace of mind, hallelujah. Anytime you see the word peace, it's a full word. It's a, what, what, peace is a big word. You know, English shrinks the meaning of that word. Peace there means prosperity, peace there means protection, Hallelujah. Peace there means security. Peace there means exemption. Meaning that whatever is going on in the society or in the country or anywhere that you are, you are exempted. Hallelujah. There may be famine all around. There may be diseases all around. There may be COVID-20 something. Praise God. But the Bible says from this conference, he's going to lead you in the paths of peace. So this is what I want you to begin to expect. Light upon your path. And when you have light, what happens? You do more. You get more. You know more. And not only do you have light, he begins to lead you where? On the paths of peace. Someone say paths of peace. So peace is that exemption. Exemption from rage. From havoc. From war. They are fighting here. They are fighting there. There's this agenda here. That agenda there. It won't touch you or your family. That is what he says, means when he says a new dawn. Hallelujah. Security, safety, protection, joy. He's going to make your way. Beautiful, amen. amen. Hallelujah. Amen. Someone say, my God, God. my God is a good God, so get ready. Light is coming, amen. amen. Guidance is coming, amen. amen. Peace is here, hallelujah. Amen. And someone said, my, my cup runneth over. I believe it with every fiber of my being. Now, I have to say this quickly that what you get in God. Is not based on what God wants to give you. Let me try to make that simpler. I've been, you know, Pastor and I have been talking a lot and, you know, just praying, meditating, and God started to show me certain things that what I have in God is not all that God has to give me. What I have in God right now, what I am enjoying right now is not because God is waiting for me to do. um, God is, you know, keeping some stuff for me. I'm sure we all know that already, right? God is keeping some stuff for me or God is waiting for me to grow into certain things. You know, Pastor taught us one message, you know, recently. I just remembered it said faith is now. All right. Sometimes we postpone our faith into the future and we say, okay, maybe this time next year God will do it. But God wants to do it when? Now. Hallelujah. But what you have in God, what you're experiencing in God is not all you can experience. And it's not all that God wants you to experience. And the reason you're not experiencing it is not God. Neither is it the devil. Praise God. The reason you are not experiencing it is not that God is withholding from you or God is saving it for your future. You can take what God wants for you now. And it's a very heavy fact, scary fact, but you can take it now. You don't have those children. You don't have that business. You don't have that car. It's not because God is waiting that, okay, you have it in 2026. No, God has not put a timeline on your blessing. You need to know that. So when the Bible says and God's word comes to us and it says your cup run it over, that means he's ready to do it now. But you have to understand that there are certain things that makes us grab these things. There are certain things we must know and we must do. Now, let me say this. The world system is not what we like. All right, It's not of God. But the world's goods are of God. Goods are of God. I hope you know that. The Bible says the silver and gold are mine. Who said that? God. It says the cattle upon a thousand hills are mine. Who owns it? Hallelujah. He is the one that owns the gold, he owns the silver, he owns the cattle. The Bible says the earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. So even though we don't like the world system, the world the world's goods belongs to God. And he's not using it. Hallelujah. Amen. God puts the gold and the silver here on earth for his man. He put the cattle on a thousand hills for his man and that man is who? You. So even though we don't subscribe to the way the world does their things, you must understand that you are supposed to enjoy the best of God on earth at every point in time. He put the silver there for you. He put the gold there for who? For you. The cattle on a thousand hills is For who? For who? Yes, you're right. It's for me. Hallelujah. I don't know if the me is me or the me is you, but it's for me. Hallelujah. Amen. So God made them for us. And I want you to know that he made them for you to enjoy. God wants us to access, this, access these things. He wants us to take it. He wants us to enjoy it. He wants us to be blessed by these things. But the question is, how do we access these things? Because sometimes you just think, oh, you know, let me just pray more, let me just fast more, let me just go to church more. And sometimes it feels like it's a mystery. We don't know how, you know, we're going to access these things. Maybe these things is for those who are extremely this or extremely that. Is it open for everybody? And if it is open for everybody, how do they get there? Because if everybody knew the way, everybody will be there, true or false? If you all knew the way, amen, we'll have all flown in our private jets here. Praise God. Amen. Amen. Someone say private jet is of God, amen? If you don't want, I'll collect, amen? How do we access it? Is it for everybody? Are there things we can do? Now, I know that I'm reducing this to material things, but this is beyond material things. We can enjoy the material blessings and the spiritual blessings of God in Christ Jesus. And it's available for us now. How do we access these things? Now, please write this down. And I need you to understand this the basis of man's God's relationship with man is covenant the basis of God's relationship with any man is covenant so if God is going to relate with any man if God is going to give any man any of his possessions it has to be on the platform of the thing called covenant God is not moved by your feelings God is not moved by your gymnastics God is not moved by anything but the covenant. All right? Praise God. Are we together? A lot of material to cover, but I want to take it step by step. In the covenant is everything you need. God has put all your blessings in the covenant. All your blessings, your husband, amen? Amen. Amen. Your babies, amen? Your healing, your deliverance, it's in the covenant. You have to understand that. So if we are ever going to access these blessings, this thing that God has prepared for us, both the spiritual blessings and the material blessings, you must understand how this thing called the covenant works. Because one of the things you need to know is that he is a covenant-keeping God. When he introduced himself to to the patriarchs, to Abraham, to Moses, he introduced himself by his covenant name, Jehovah. And you must understand that there is the concept of the God who is out there, but there is, a co- there is another concept of the God who is in covenant with man. If you function with the God, concept of the God who is out there, you won't get anything from him because he doesn't owe you anything. But when you function with the mindset of the covenant, the God who is in covenant with man, then you can expect certain things. Now I, I understand covenant. I think it was about two or three years ago, I think three years ago, I started to get a deeper meaning into the word covenant, into the, that great thing called covenant. I started to study it, how big I started to study it in the line of marriage, but I realized that covenant is bigger than, you know, the, marriage is big, the covenant is, just, is bigger than just for the marriage. The way God relates with us is through the covenant. Praise God. And I'm going to explain briefly what the covenant is, And I'm going to show us how we can access the covenant, all right, and how we can engage the covenant. Because it's important for us to know what a covenant is, understand the covenant, understand how to access the covenant, and how to engage it. All right, because you must access it and engage it. When you engage it, that is when you get the blessings of the covenant. Hallelujah. Are we together? So simply to define, a covenant is a promise that is sanctioned by an oath. Simply defined. A covenant is a promise that is sanctioned by an oath. You can say it's an alliance. Now, guys, I really want you to pay attention. I really want you to pay attention because this will change your life. This will change your life. If you understand this, the covenant, you understand how to access it, you know, understand how to engage it, the blessings of God will be a constant in your life. You will realize that you don't have to beg for things. The man in covenant with God or any covenant has a full right to God and the things of God. And he is not meant to beg. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. So this will change you. Now covenant is a promise that is sanctioned by an oath. All right? It's a promise, but it's a promise that has been sanctioned by an oath. It's an allegiance. You swear an allegiance, a formal alliance, a pledge. It's also the word to make an unbreakable promise. So when God met with our fathers, he met with Abraham, which is the covenant which we stand in, praise God, the covenant of Abraham, the Abrahamic covenant. What God did in Genesis 17 was to introduce himself to God. Well, from Genesis 15, introduce himself to Abraham and cut a covenant with him. And when you look at Genesis 17, you see that he cut an everlasting covenant with him. A covenant from generation to generation to generation. But before we look into covenant, into what that covenant was, let me give you a bit more about covenant. All right, so when we say that uh, it's, it's a promise that is sanctioned by an oath, what does that really mean? An oath is uh, a sacred, solemn, voluntary promise, usually involving the pen- penalty of divine retribution. Let me say it in, you know, uh, easy English. An oath is something you swear by that if you don't do it, you will get a divine punishment. Yoruba people who are very familiar with this, or fetish people are very familiar with this. They'll say, okay, I'm going to give you this. They'll not bring something. I will say, yeah, make an oath. You know, you know that, right? Make an oath. They'll bring this thing. Yeah, swear to me. Swear by this thing. That if you don't do it, something, something will happen to you. Praise God. We watch Nigerian films now, amen? amen? Hallelujah. How many of us saw that movie that came out, I think earlier last year, The Block Covenant, about some guys that got into covenant and, you know, They had some things that the covenant was doing, giving them money, some three guys or so. Good movie, amen. From the back, hallelujah. So a covenant is a promise that has been sworn by an oath. So this is what God did when he wanted to introduce himself to man and get involved in the affairs of man. He just didn't want to give man his promises. He just didn't want to say, I'm going to make you rich. I'm going to give you children. No. He wanted them to know that he's very serious about this thing. So he made a covenant, which is a promise based on an oath. Meaning that if I default from this, all right, I can lose my throne. To show you that he's very, what, serious. Very serious. And the basis of Judaism and Christianity is the covenant. Everything we have in Christianity. That's why it's called the New Testament, the New Covenant. What Jesus came to do was to establish a new covenant. There was an old covenant which was what Abraham had and the the children of Israel had. But there is a new covenant which Jesus Christ came to um, to cut with us by his blood. Amen. Alright, so let me go back to what a covenant is. So the promise in turn is accompanied by an appeal to a deity to watch over the behavior of the people who are involved. So if person A and person B caught the covenant, they involve a higher force to say if um, Mr. A doesn't keep to the covenant, X, Y, Z will happen to him. But if he keeps to the covenant, X, Y, Z would be his portion. So every covenant has the blessings and the curses. All right? It is a promise that is sworn with an oath. I will do this to you. I will do this for you. Now let me give us a quick example of a covenant. So in the olden days, uh, years ago, When the African um, white men came to Africa, I want to give us an example of covenant so you can understand this. There was a man, I think his name was, um, I think it was Stanley, praise God. So this man came into Africa as a missionary, you know, just came to do things here. But he was finding it hard to penetrate into a particular community. All right, so, and his health was failing him, and, um, you know, he just couldn't communicate with these people. He just couldn't communicate with these people. So he had a translator, a very young black man, who then said, Why don't you get into a covenant with this, these people? That if you get into a covenant with these people, there are certain things that will be easier for you to do. This is an example of a covenant. All right, but he was a white man and said, No, 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 these are fetish things. I don't do all those things because he ex- he ex- it entails the exchange of blood and, you know, drinking blood and all those things. And he said, No. Um, so he tried to go on and go on and go on, but he couldn't do it. Finally, his interpreter came back to him and said, Let's do this covenant thing. Then he sat down and found out what is a covenant, what are the benefits of a covenant, and they started to explain to him. So he went to meet the chief priest, the chief, the chief of the town, and said, Okay, I'm ready to come into a covenant. What does it entail? And the chief now told him that the moment we get into a covenant, what happens is that all that I have becomes yours, and all that you have becomes mine. We will swear an oath and we will mingle our bloods and we will become blood brothers. We will become covenant brothers. All right, but there are certain steps which I want to run us through quickly on how the covenant worked. So the first thing they would do, or they did then, was to come into the terms and condition of the covenant. All right, what are you promising me? What are you bringing? If I do this, what will you give me? If I do that, what will you give me? So there was established terms and conditions. All right, so they started to discuss. This is what I want to do. I have some things here I want to sell. Nobody is buying. That was what was going on with the white man. Nobody is buying, and the you know the black people like okay. We'll we'll take that up, we'll take that as our responsibility, we'll buy everything you have. Okay, then he asked the black people, what will you give to me in return? Don't worry, we'll give you security, we'll give you safety, such and such and such. So when they finalized the term, the next thing they did was they they exchanged certain gifts. All right? There must be something that you part away with in the covenant. All right? And the gift meant something, it was a figure of something. It meant that all that I have now belongs to you. So what the white man had, all he had was a goat. A goat because, you know, goats were very pricey and costly items those days. He, he used to get milk from there and that was his only source of nutrition. But it was so costly to him that he couldn't let go of the goats. But the chieftain told him, you have to let go of this goat. So he asked the return, chief, what are you going to give me? The chief said, I will give you this rod, this staff, And this staff wherever you take it to, it would answer for you. He didn't really understand the concept of the covenant, so he thought that they had, you know, cheated him. That my precious goat and all I get is just a rod, okay? But later on, he found out that everywhere he went in Africa back then, and he presented the rod, the people bowed to him. He realized that it was a symbol of power. And though he was a white man, anywhere he went, even though the rod belonged to a black chief, if he raised the rod, everything answered to him. The next thing that happened in the covenant was that there was a ceremony, a blood exchange ceremony. And I'm taking you through the process because I want you to see it very clearly. There was a blood exchange ceremony with the families and a representative of the deity they were serving. Maybe a priest or a high priest or something like that. And in that ceremony, something key happened. Both of them will have a representative Who will cut their blood? All right, so the black man had a representative, the white man had a representative who was like a representation of him. It wasn't the chief that cut his blood. And they'll cut their hands and they'll pour their blood into a cup. Example of covenant. Are you following? That's good. And then they'll mix it together, all right, and then they'll partake of the blood. So there was wine in the cup, so they'll pour their own blood. The other person poured their own blood, just a tiny bit, and they drank it. And the moment that was done, it was official that these were blood brothers, meaning that they were one, meaning that they were as close as, even closer than their siblings. Praise God. After that, they will have a mark of the covenant. Now, the mark of the covenant usually will be where they cut themselves. And people who were in court will understand this thing now. Praise God. But I believe that, you know, we are good children of God and none of us ever step foot in cultism, amen? Hallelujah. Those people who are in cultism are like, mm-hmm, that's right. hmm you got it. So they will cut themselves and um, there had to be a mark of the covenant. There had to be a scar. There had to be something to prove. So that wherever you go, you just say, hey, praise God, hey. And wherever you went, whether you were your staff or were you, once you just like this, oh, no, 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 I bear in my body the marks of Christ, praise God. That's where that came from. So you just show sure and they're like, no, no, allow. There's this movie I watched recently. I think it was Expendables for very, very, oh, amen. And how many of us remember this guy? Okay, so maybe I shouldn't talk about movies, amen. But I just want to make it real to you. There was this guy, Silver that he, he was supposed, supposedly to have died. And they took his ring, can you remember? And one guy took his ring and then he went to meet somebody. And the guy was fighting him, fighting him. And then when he saw the ring, he said, ah, no, you're my brother. That's the point of the mark of the covenant, all right? So they always have a mark of the covenant to show that I'm a covenant man. I'm a man that has people behind me. All right? When you saw the mark of a covenant man, you knew that you were not seeing one person. All right? You knew you were not seeing one person. You knew there was a village backing this guy up. And everybody had their own mark. So if it was to be a powerful village and you just saw X, you know, ah, the whole fishing tribe or the whole hunting tribe or the whole warring tribe of Anambra State is behind this guy. So people always treaded with caution with this kind of people another thing they had was they they had a memorial for their covenant maybe they'll plant a tree or they'll put stones up in a place and um, just to say this is a covenant that we've got this is a memorial this is a reminder of our you know covenant and the moment the covenant is solemnized um, everything that the blood covenant man you know those two men owned it became theirs and this is what I want you to see. I wrote this down there, that the moment a covenant is solemnized, everything that the blood covenant man owns in the world is at the disposal of his covenant brother. Every single thing. If he needs it, all he needs to do is ask. So let me give an example in marriage. Everything my husband owns is mine. And everything my husband, I own is my husband's. True or false? If you're not practicing it, go and practice. Amen. Alright, because we are in a covenant. Marriage is a form of covenant. But you see, just because I own everything that he has, doesn't mean I'm just going to take his card and swipe it all day. I still have to do what? Ask him, babe, please, can I use your card? I need to get this. But he is under obligation. Amen? Amen? This is festival. Let's be serious. Amen? He is under obligation to give it to me. Whether or not it is to his own heart or to his own benefit, that is what the covenant is. So the man who is under covenant knows that if my covenant partner has need of anything, I must provide it, even to my own heart, even to my own death. Let me give you a quick story. There was this story in um, the old time. What's the name of these two guys? I think I wrote it down. These two guys, it's a, it's a folk tale. I don't know if I wrote it down. I think I read it. About two guys in the Roman Empire a long time ago. True life story. Well, is, some say it's a folklore. Where two guys had gone into a covenant and um, they were very good friends. But one of them had gone into treason and wanted to kill the king. All right, He wanted to kill the king and they caught him. True story. And they caught him. And when they caught him, he said he was going to... His penalty was death. So he told the king that, you know what, I'm going to... I'm going to serve my time. I'm going to die, right? But give me a few few days to go back home and set to my affairs. And the king said, no, you're lying to me. I'm not going to do that for you. So what he did was like, okay, sir, this is my covenant brother. He will die in my stead if I don't come back. True story. True story. I'm telling you. He will die in my stead. And he bought his covenant brother. Now the king said that, knowing that nobody would come forward for him, said, okay, provide him. And he says, gave him a timeline after two or three months, thereabout." Make sure you are here. The king knew that he was never going to come back because, I mean, who does that? And then he was wondering why the other guy would stand in his gap. So the king took his best friend and then the day of execution came and lo and behold, he didn't show up. So the king was right. He said, I told you there's nothing like this. But as they were about to kill his friend, he showed up. And he tried to tell them that he had a shipwreck, that he was caught at sea. The, ship cut, the shark caught him. The snake caught him. And they painted of a picture of he made sure that with his last drop of blood, he came back there. To show you that a covenant man swears to his own heart. To his own detriment. If I say I will be there, I will be there. Of course, the, 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 the story reads that the king allowed them go. And because he was so moved and, you know. They said he wanted to cut a covenant with them, but they didn't allow him. I don't know how true that is. But the thing about the covenants, excuse me, is that everything I own becomes yours, and everything you, I want that you have, all I have to do is what ask. Now you see when Jesus said, "Ask and you shall." The Bible is a book of covenants. When you begin to see covenants and understand covenants, you begin to understand how to access and engage. Praise God. And this was what he did with um, our father Abraham, and that was what Jesus Christ came to do again for us. Praise God. All right, so we look into the Abrahamic covenant. Okay, and then another thing was the blessing and the cursing. Curses. Every covenant had the blessings, every covenant had the rewards, and every covenant had the curses. Every. Your covenant is not complete until you have four things. Number one: your obligations and your privileges, your obligations and your privileges. That means in this covenant, there's something I must do for you. I have my obligations. And in this covenant, I have my privileges. Second, another thing you have to know is every covenant has the blessings and the curses. Meaning that if I walk upright, there are certain things that should come to me naturally because I'm keeping this covenant. So if it was a warring nation who was keeping an agrarian nation, the agrarian nation was a smaller nation. I'm taking my time to explain this because I want you to see it. If the agrarian nation couldn't fight... They didn't have any defense, and they got into covenant with a warring nation. As the warring nation went to fight for them, it was necessary that they had to provide food. There are certain rewards of the blessing, certain that you just get as you practice it. But if they came back from a war and there was no food, they had to have the consequences, which most times was death. Praise God. All right, so every covenant has its own terms. It has its terms and conditions. And what God has with every man, the dealings of God with every man on the face of the earth, is based on the covenant. So it's one thing for you to be born again. It's another thing for you to understand how to access and walk the covenant. What I see most times is that most of us are born again, but we don't understand how the kingdom works. We don't understand how this thing works. We don't understand how the relationship between God and man works. Praise God. Now I want us to quickly turn our Bibles to the book of Genesis chapter 17 and I want us to start showing us the covenant that we have um, with God. Praise God. Now, this is the study of the covenant is very extensive. I'm just going to pick out one point, point. and the point I'm going to pick out is the terms of the covenant. There are so many things to talk about in the covenant: the blood, the wine, you know, the different different aspects, the, the drinking of the cup. But we're not going to look into that. I want to focus on the terms of the covenant. Now, this is what happened in Genesis 17 when God began to co- the covenant with man again. Um, then Abraham was 99 years old, and the Lord appeared to him, to Abraham, and said, "I'm reading from the New King James. I am Almighty God." I am El Shaddai. Walk before me and be blameless. Now, most times you will skim through that and think that God was just introducing himself and saying something. But he was introducing who he was. If you read that in your original Hebrew, when he says, I am almighty God, he was telling him, I am El Shaddai. This is a new covenant name I want to show you now. The many-breasted one, the all-sufficient one. And one of the things you have to do to access this is walk before me and be blameless. Look at the next verse so you understand what I'm saying. And it says, and I will make my covenants between me and... So it wasn't just God gisting. You need to understand that every word in the Bible carries weight. Especially the first five books because they are prophetic. Meaning that there are words that God himself inspired. Nobody was there when Abraham and God was talking. It was Moses that saw into the past and wrote it. So this information was what God gave him, not man. This is God's divine own picture of what happened. Praise God. So he said, Abraham was this age, and the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless. The covenant was already, the mind of the covenant was already started. If you go back to verse 15, and I'm not going to take us back there, you will see that God had already cut his first covenant with him. God had cut his own side of the covenant with Abraham in chapter 15. Please go back and make sure you study Genesis 15, where God cut the covenant and they did the whole ceremony thing. There was blood, there was mingling of blood, there was this, there was that. All right, but this is where I want to focus on. And it says, walk before me and be blameless, and I will make a covenant between me and you, and I will multiply you exceedingly. The El Shaddai, the God who multiplies. Then Abraham fell on his face and talked with him, saying, as for me, talked with him, Saying, verse 4, as for me, behold, my covenant is with you, and you shall be the father of many nations. No longer shall your name be called Abraham, Abraham, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of many nations. Remember, covenant is speaking. Covenant is speaking. Alright? I've made you the father of many nations. I will make you exceedingly, somebody read that. Exceedingly. Exceedingly. And I will make nations of and kings shall come from and I would establish my covenant between me and you and your descendants after you in their generations for what? For what? Who knows the meaning of everlasting here? this. So the covenant God was cutting with our father Abraham was an everlasting covenant that's why when we turn our bibles to the book of galatians chapter three and i think we should quickly look there i hope i got my references right is somebody being blessed galatians chapter three verse 13 i want you to see what jesus really came to do brethren. i speak on this matter that though it is only a man's covenant yet if it be if it is confirmed no one annuls or adds to it it's talking about a human covenant now to abraham and his seed were the promise made not to say his seeds, as of many, but as one. And to your seed, who is Christ. And this I say, that the law, which was 430 years later, cannot annul that covenant. You see that? The, 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 cannot annul the covenant that was confirmed before God in Christ. That it should make the promise of no effect. For the inheritance is of the law. It is no longer da-da-da-da. There's a particular portion I'm looking for. Uh... We're gonna to have to look for that scripture together. It is in Galatians 3, 14. Let's look at 14. Are we together? All right, let's look at 14. Let's let's look at from verse 13, from verse 13. So I read verse 15 earlier on. Pardon me. Galatians 3:13. Open your Bible from open your Bible. Let's read it together. From the New King James, please. Amen. One, two, let's go. Christ has redeemed us from the cost of the law. Having become a curse for us, for it is written, curse is everyone who hangs on a tree. Why? That the of might upon in Christ, and we might receive the promise of the Spirit through? So when Christ was hung on that cross, what was he doing? He was creating a covenant, he was cutting a new covenant after the order of the old of the Abrahamic covenant. Now it's a lot of things in between, but I'm going to narrow it down for us very, very quickly. Praise God. Are we together? Are we together? So when God cut that covenant with Abraham, he wasn't just cutting a covenant with him, he was cutting with his seed. A covenant of greatness, a covenant of extreme multiplication, exceedingly great, nations eating from you. It was an everlasting covenant. Praise God. And one thing you need to know about covenant, I don't know if I said, is covenants don't die. They don't die. You cannot annul a covenant. In the ancient times, if you got into a covenant with someone and the person died, you gave it on to their children. Pure example, Jonathan and David. When Jonathan died, David said, is there anyone left of the house of Saul that because of Jonathan, my covenant brother's sake, I should bless him. And we know the story of Mephibosheth, Right. He was the lame child, and it was written in the law that no lame child should sit at the table. I hope you know that. But because of the covenant that David and Jonathan caught, even when Jonathan died, David was still linked to. Do you understand? He still was under the obligation. So what God was saying to Abraham in Genesis 17 is, guy, come into a covenant with me. I want to make you great. I want to create an everlasting covenant and your seed and anyone connected to that seed must be great. Remember what a covenant is. It's a promise with what? An oath. An oath. So God swore, if you read the Hebrew, and you hear Hebrews very well, God swore by himself that if I don't make you great, may I cease being God. That is what a covenant is. Now remember, a covenant is two-way. So Abraham had all of God, and God had to have all of Abraham. So you can't just come into it. remember, a covenant has obligations and privileges. What we like to do is to jump at the rest at the privileges, but forget at the obligations. And that's where I want you to turn to today. because a covenant man who is steadily fulfilling his obligations will, of necessity enjoy the blessings otherwise God will be unjust. Do you get me? Do you see why I say that? Everything that God wants for you, you can have it way now. It is in your hands, not his hands. The reason why some of us have stepped back and we haven't enjoyed the fullness of God is because we haven't kept to our obligations in the covenant. He spoke with Abraham and said, walk before me, be perfect. Let's quickly turn our Bibles to the book of Second Chronicles. And as I was studying this, my spirit my man my, was just blowing up. Hallelujah. 2 Chronicles 15, chapter 16 and verse 9. So he said, Walk before me and be thou what? Perfect. That was what he was asking for. Now look at 2 Chronicles 16 and verse 9. And I want you to see something here. Um, okay, now we're going to use King James because of the particular English I'm looking for. 16 verse 9. Is he on the screen? Now look at this. It says, For the eyes of the Lord run for the eyes of the Lord to run to and fro throughout the whole world to show himself strong in behalf of them whose heart is what? What, what, what did he tell Abraham? And be so when we read this scripture, we have to understand that what he's looking for is the covenant man. He's looking for the man who will keep to the terms of the covenant. And that was why when God told Abraham, take now your son. Take your only son and go and sacrifice him. He didn't think twice. He waited for that son for how long? How many years? But Abraham was the covenant man. And he knew something, that I have obligations. I have obligations. If I give this one, more will come. If I give this, the blessings will flow. So it wasn't a thought of, because I've seen memes and saying how Abraham was a God, right? No. He did this with a mind of covenant. If my covenant partner needs my son, he's going to have it. Even if I remain childless, but he has promised me that my children will be as the stars. I don't want to know how he's going to do it. If my obligation is to do this, my children will be as the stars. So the eyes of God are running through and forth through the earth, looking for covenant men. Looking for what? A New Testament Christianity was caught in the blood of the covenant. The perfect sacrifice, Jesus Christ. The perfect sacrifice, Jesus Christ. The Bible says we have a better covenant with better promises. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! They had the promise of material possession. We have the promise of all all spiritual blessings. All spiritual blessings. That was why in Deuteronomy 11, go and read your Bible. When the children of Israel came, the covenant was what created the nation of Israel. It was what created the Ten Commandments. All those things were to, for the covenant because God wanted men with perfect hearts. And Abraham was such a man. His heart was so perfect. Abraham, B, you know, I was telling so today, that I was reading my Bible and the Holy Spirit was talking to me that Abraham saw my day. Abraham believed in Jesus. I'm like, no, now. Abra- uh-uh. And then I turned to this scripture in the book of John that Abraham rejoiced to see my day and he saw it. Abraham had a heart that believed God. Yeah. He wasn't born again, but he saw the day of Christ. He knew that there was a better covenant. He held on to it and that was why he could enjoy it. Same with David. That is why you just see sprinkles of these men. And if you look at the children of Israel, they enjoyed it and came out. They enjoyed it and came out. Victory this today, no victory tomorrow. You know that's their lifestyle. And what was the issue? Their heart. So God had to start giving them commandments. Okay, let's guard this your heart. Oh yeah, don't wear trousers. Keep your heart. Oh yeah, don't do this. Keep your heart. He was trying his best to help them enjoy the blessings. So he had to keep giving them, don't wash your hand here. Don't wash your leg here. Because they couldn't see that day. Like Moses, Abraham did. Somebody being blessed. Yeah. So the Ten Commandments that you saw and the plenty laws—don't wear mask, off, don't do this—and then the many sacrifices, atonement for this sin. He just wanted to cover everything, because he can't bless a man whose heart is, you know, whose heart is not perfect. God cannot, but he was so pressed with blessing them, so pressed. Because he made a covenant to one man called Abraham. And says, Abraham, you're not here, but your children I must bless. I've sworn by my throne. And every time they called back to him, God answered. This story in Second Chronicles is so interesting. But you know what? We're going to keep it for the next session. I want to show you this new covenant. How and what are your obligations? Because if you walk, see, brother, if you walk steady in those obligations, you will have no problem with blessings. If you walk steady in your covenant obligation to your God, to your father, my brother, my sister, hear me, you will never have one down day. Like Abraham, men will be looking for you to cut covenants with you. That was what Abimelech did what the king of uh, this other country did where god warned him don't touch him don't touch his wife that man is a prophet they even gave him offering again hallelujah thousand silver fear a man who has a covenant we hope you've been blessed by this message to be a part of any of our programs or services visit our website www.petrasc.org for our different locations and service times We'll be happy to have you join our online community. Follow us on our social media handle on YouTube, Facebook and Instagram at Petro Christian Center. You can also reach us via email at correspondent at petrocc.org or call us on 070-173-87222. Petrochristian Center, building Jesus communities globally.